hope you have your Bible. If you have your Bible, go ahead and open up to Hebrews chapter 11. And if you don't have a Bible, there's usually one in the pew in front of you along with the hymnal. So uh, make sure that you have a Bible. We'll be at Hebrews chapter 11, looking at verses 1 through 6. Most people probably already know that the 11th chapter of Hebrews is known as the faith chapter. So we're kind of turning a corner, talking about Jesus, to talking about having faith in Jesus. We've already gone through many, many, many sermons where I started out by saying that Jesus is better. And I'm going to say it again. Jesus is better. Amen. He is better. He's better than anything in this world, anything this world has to offer. He offers us eternal life in a relationship with him. Eternal life would not be so great if it weren't with Jesus, would it? In fact, it might, not, it might be a worse punishment <laughs> than it would be a help. But with Jesus as our great reward, it will be an eternity of bliss and peace and happiness forever in a way that I can't hardly describe. And so because Jesus is better than everything and because he's become our high priest, he is worthy of our worship. So we, we disagree with those who say that Jesus is just a prophet or he's just a, a good teacher. We believe that he is God who has come in the flesh and that he is worthy of our worship. That's why sometimes we pray to Jesus. That's why sometimes we kneel to Jesus. We confess him as Lord. We do that because we believe that he is God who has come in the flesh. He's not just an ordinary man. He is an ordinary man in the sense that he was able to take our sin upon him and pay the penalty for that. But he's not an ordinary man, in fact, in that he could do that for many people, not just one. And so the writer of the book of Hebrews says, since Jesus is so great and because he is better than anything, don't drift away from the faith. Don't even think about neglecting your faith. There really is no going back once you hear about Jesus. And that's what he was trying to tell the people of Judaism who were tempted to go back to the old sacrificial system. He's trying to tell them there is no, go, no going back. If you're a history buff and know a little bit about history, maybe you remember this from high school social studies or history lesson, but there was a explorer by the name of uh, Hernan Cortez. Anyone remember Cortez? Yeah, he mostly explored South America, but he was known for going to South America and immediately after everyone got on board, he had his crew set the ships afire, indicating to them, this is our home now, there is no going back. And that's exactly what the writer of the book of Hebrews is trying to tell us. You may be tempted to go back to Judaism, but you shouldn't because Jesus has done everything that you need anyway. Why should you ever go back? You cannot go back. There's no longer in that system any kind of sacrifice for sins that Jesus hasn't already done for us. And so he tells us and the, and the people in the book of Hebrews to anchor our soul in Christ, to put our feet and to build our house fully upon the rock and not upon the sand. And obviously, that probably applies to nations as well. And right now, I think our nation is on sinking sand. 
It is on sinking sand. It doesn't mean that there's not hope. It's not, it's not that we give up on the United States of America. I don't think it's time to do that. But it is time for the people of God to get serious and begin having an effect on our culture. Is it going to be easy? No. Will it happen in a way that will make us happy? It may not happen in a way that will make us happy. It may be what ushers in the second coming of Christ. But until Christ comes, we should anchor our souls in Christ. We should affect our culture in each and every way that we can for the good of the glory of God, right? It's not to build ourselves up. It's not to build up Freedom Baptist Church, the name of Freedom Baptist Church. Obviously, we love more and more people coming to Freedom Baptist Church. But it's more than just that. It's about our nation and it's about the world around us and it's about Jesus receiving glory and honor for being our Savior and being our Lord. And we have great confidence to draw near to God because of Jesus. We have great confidence that we can hold fast to our confession even through the midst of troubles and persecution when it seems as though the whole world wants to pull us away from Jesus and pull us in the opposite direction, we have a sure faith, a confident faith in him that will last, it will persevere. We'll talk about why it will persevere. Part of it is we need to have the conviction that it will persevere. Part of it is that God gives us a faith that will only persevere. And so we are to enter into confidence near to God and we are to stir one another up to love and good works. And that's what church is a lot, a lot of it's about. That's why we meet together as a church is not just to hear me, not just to hear a lesson, but the talk that goes on in between. The talk in the beginning that I said I love to hear because I hear people encouraging one another. I hear people making plans together, stirring one another up, not to just sit in their homes, but to get out and do something for the glory of God. And that's what true fellowship is. So let's go ahead and look at our scripture and we'll find out more about what faith is and how that affects our life. It tremendously affects our life, right? For most of us, it has drastically changed our life. It may have been many, 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 many years ago that it made the biggest transition in our life, but it has, it's like a freight train come through your life. So let's go ahead and stand for the reading of this word. And we'll be talking first of all about how this author defines faith. In later weeks, we'll be talking about how the faith is illustrated. Listen to these words, which I know you've heard many times. It says, now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain, through which he was commended as righteous. God commending him by accepting his gifts, and through his faith, though he died, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found, because God had taken him. 
Now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Let's stop here and pray. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity we have to read these six verses today. Such profound verses, such clear verses, such verses of conviction that we are immediately drawn to them and want to know more about what they mean, what, how we are to understand them, and what difference they will make in our life. Well, this lesson here today, this scripture, will it have an effect on our own life? Will it strengthen it? Will it encourage it? That is our prayer here today, that our lives would be changed because of the word of God. We thank you for giving it to us. We thank you for giving us ears here today to listen to it. We thank you for the note paper that we have where we can write down our ideas and our thoughts and our verses that come to mind. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit who will guide us into all truth. Father, you've given us so much. We thank you for these words today and ask that you bless them and help us to understand them. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Well, as I said, this section is gonna be about faith defined. Next week we'll start in on earnest in faith illustrated. But I wanna, first of all, kind of start with the ending. <laughs> Sometimes in the sermon you start with the ending and I'm gonna start with that very last verse, verse six. It says, without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Faith pleases God. All attempts to draw near to God by other means than faith are pointless. Amen? They are pointless. And all people who are prior to saving faith are not pleasing to God either. It's very clear in the book of Romans that no one does good, no one seeks after God. This is prior to them coming to faith. No one does good, no one seeks after God. They are like snakes, basically. And before they come to faith, they cannot please God. Same thing for us, we include ourselves in that category, right? Even though most of us, as far as I know in this, in this place here, have received Christ as their Lord and Savior prior to that, we fall into, into the camp also of uh, falling into sin. We all have, fall, all have uh, fallen short of the glory of God and have sinned. So we're not pointing at anybody else. We're pointing at ourselves that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And yet it's by this faith that people have received their commendation from God. So he helps us by trying to define exactly what faith is. Faith, first of all, is faith in God as our creator. We have a creator, amen. amen. We did not haphazardly come into random existence. And you can look at all the different theories, and I do look at those theories from time to time about the Big Bang, and basically they believe kind of the same thing we do, that everything appeared out of nothing. <laughs> But we believe it was at God's command that there is a, a cause and that cause is God who is eternal and who sets outside of time. 
So God has always existed. The creation has not existed. He brought it into creation. He brought it into existence. He is the one who created everything out of nothing. I often, many times, say it takes a lot more faith to believe that the universe created and came into being out of nothing than to believe that a God created the heavens and the earth. We know from the Bible, from God's own word, which has proven true throughout the rest of our life, uh, we have a testimony of that, that God's word is true, that this is true as well. God is our creator. The Bible really says there are no true people who are atheists. You know, an atheist is defined as someone who does not believe in God. The Bible really says that there are no true atheists, that every person can look at nature, look at the skies in heaven, look at how our hand works and how our bodies are put together and know that there is a designer somewhere. This was all designed, just like this building was designed. How is it designed? Because we know it has four walls and it has a roof, it has a structure that had to be developed by an intelligence. And someone did design this building. I don't know who, but I can tell that it has a designer. The earth and we have a designer as well. We have a creator. Amen. This faith is also it's something that rewards those who seek after him. So if your faith and trust in Christ is in Christ today, you have a reward. Did you know you have a reward? Amen. <laughs> Amen. You have eternal life. That's, good, good, that's a good reward, being able to live forever, but you have more than that. You have all of the riches of Christ, according to God's word. You have every spiritual blessing that is in the heavenly places because of what Jesus has done for us on our cross and our faith and our trust in him. But ultimately, I know when we think of rewards, maybe we think of gold or money or riches, but the Bible says we have a much greater reward than that, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. We get to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Imagine that. Imagine having a relationship with some famous person and being kind of their right-hand buddy and friend, and then elevate that to the creator of the universe. We will have, and we have, an eternal relationship with someone who sticks closer than a brother, who will not leave us nor forsake us, who loves us enough that he sent his son to die in our, in our place for our sins. And he wants to be our friend. He wants to have a relationship with us. He is the great reward, and we, we should be so thankful for that. So let's look a little closer at the meaning of faith. We know it means to believe in God as our creator. We know that he has a reward for us. But verse 1 says that faith is the assurance of things hoped for. It's an assurance of the things hoped for. I know when I walk, if I walk down this aisle, there's a lot of trust going on, right? <laughs> Every time I take a step, I'm trusting that the floor is going to be there for me to step on. Yes. And some of you have been there when that, that step wasn't there, right? And it's a very bad feeling. That never happens with God. We have an assurance of things hoped for. 
our next step forward in Christ is always on solid ground because he is faithful and he is true. The ESV study Bible puts it this way. It says, biblical faith is not a vague hope grounded in imagery or wishful thinking. Instead, faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that is not yet seen but has been promised by God will actually come to pass because God will bring it about. We have an assurance. Our faith is an assurance that God is going to give us what he has promised. He has promised us eternal life. He has given us a down payment by giving us the Holy Spirit in our life. But it will come to pass one of these days that we'll be in our heavenly home with Jesus. We have that calm assurance because of the faithfulness of Christ. It's based upon his faithfulness. Biblical faith it's also taken from the ESV study Bible, but biblical faith is not blind trust in the face of contrary evidence. Not an unknowable leap in the dark, rather biblical faith is a confident trust in the eternal God who is all-powerful, infinitely wise, eternally trustworthy. The God who has revealed himself in his word and in the person of Jesus Christ whose promises have proved true from generation to generation and who will never leave nor forsake his own. That's what biblical faith is, is resting on. It has a foundation. It's not, it's not some uh, blind faith where we have no idea or we have no evidence. We have evidence that God is faithful to his word, don't we? Jesus rose from the dead, amen? amen. He rose from the dead, we have that confidence that what he says after that is going to be true as well. Faith is the conviction of things not seen. Conviction is that of which you cannot change your belief about because you've already made up your mind, right? I've told you uh, many times, maybe more so on Wednesday nights, that we should be a people of great conviction. And many times we need to think about these convictions ahead of time because we don't know what's going to happen next. We need to think about what our convictions are about abortion. We need to know what our convictions are about uh, Christianity, uh, a lot of different things. I can't remember the name of the girl. I should remember the name of the girl, the girl at Columbine, I believe it was, who was a person of convictions. Because when put to the test, she chose death over recanting or reneging on her faith and trust in Christ. We need to develop convictions like that as well. And that's what true faith is, a conviction. It's a, a strong conviction, such as what Potiphar, not, not Potiphar's wife, but what Joseph had. I don't believe that Joseph, for the first time, thought about sexual immorality when Potiphar's wife was enticing him. I think he had developed strong convictions even before that, that if something like that happened, he knew what he was going to do, that he was going to run away. You see, sometimes when we get in the, in the thick of the moment, it's too late. 
to develop a conviction then, we're swayed to make wrong decisions. But Joseph, I, I truly believe that he had made that conviction earlier and he knew exactly what to do, even though it came at great, he came at a great cost to him, spending time in prison. I wrote down here just kind of my own definition of this kind of faith or conviction. It's something you know, you know and trust for sure. It's a certainty that results in a person letting go of all thoughts and deeds which they had before, pla before placed their trust. A certainty that results in a person letting go of all thoughts and deeds which they had before placed their trust. I'm not sure I'm getting that across right because it's worded not real well, but it's relinquishing all thoughts and deeds that we had beforehand, which we thought we were placing our trust in. And we shouldn't do that. It's a certainty that comes from building on rock instead of sand. John MacArthur says, the faith described here involves the most solid possible conviction, the God-given present assurance of a future reality, evidence of the seeing of things not seen. True faith is not based on empirical evidence, but on divine assurance and is a gift of God. Faith in Christ is to receive Christ and his teachings. John 1.12 says, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. There's a comparison there. So many times when we use the word believe, we only think of mentally understanding something and accepting something. But according to John 1.12, to believe in Jesus is the same thing as receiving him. So it means to receive him as a person, receive his teachings, receive every part about him. got many definitions of what faith is. Here's what our Baptist faith and message says. Listen to this closely. Repentance and faith are inseparable experiences of grace. You might be thinking, what? <laughs> what does that mean? We have to read a little bit slower. Repentance and faith are inseparable experiences of grace. In other words, repentance and faith are never found one without the other. Right? Faith results in repentance. Repentance comes from faith. So those two are inseparable. They're experiences of grace, which means they don't come from within us. They are a gift of God. The Baptist faith and message goes on and says, repentance is a genuine turning from sin toward God. Faith is the acceptance of Jesus Christ and commitment of the entire personality to him as Lord and Savior. Man, those are good words, right? Amen. I understand this is, not, this is not the Bible, but this is what we have chosen to use to help present what we believe about the Bible. It says repentance is a genuine turning from sin toward God. So if my sin is going this way, it just means I turn this way and go toward God. I'm, I'm forsaking that sin and I'm turning toward God. Faith, on the other hand, is the acceptance of Jesus Christ 
and commitment of the entire personality to him as Lord and Savior. It's a commitment. It's a surrendering of your life. You have died as a Christian. Did you know you died? If you are a true Christian, you're, you died. You surrendered your life. And now you have given that to the Lord Jesus Christ for him to command you. So those are some ways of defining faith. But really, I, have, I can't go on further without telling you that in this world and in, described in the Bible itself, there are many counterfeit faiths that are described in the Bible, so we might want to learn to recognize them. Here are some examples, and there's, there's several of them, so hold on to your seats. When I say faith, remember the air quotes, because these are counterfeit faiths. Number one, faith, faith in the wrong object. You can have faith, but it can be in the wrong object. Your faith can be in Buddha, it can be in Allah, it can be in Baal, it can be in your retirement, it can be in your money, it could be in a whole host of things. I love what our Bible study said in Sunday school. If you didn't come to Sunday school, you should have come to Sunday school for this one quote. In the end, it doesn't matter how sincere you are in your belief if you believe the wrong thing. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's not us Christians who say that, only in response to Jesus. Jesus, the great teacher. Jesus, the great prophet. Jesus, the great God of love. He's the one who said that. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Some people will say, well, just as long as you have faith, you're okay. And what by they mean is, and people actually believe this and promote this, they do it in order to try to heal division between different denominations. And they'll say, as, you know, as long as you have faith, it's okay. If your faith is in Jesus, that's okay. If your faith is in Muhammad, that's okay. It's just one God anyway. And that is not true. That is not true. There is one God, God Jehovah. We call him Jehovah, we call him Lord, we call him Jesus. So faith, but in the wrong, wrong object. Faith in our good works. Faith in our good works is not a saving faith. Jesus said these words, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name? and do many works in your name, and I will declare to them, I never knew you, depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. People have a tendency to want to build up works as though they could be saved by those works. As though when the great balance comes out, which weighs good and evil, as long as they do enough good on this side, it will outweigh the evil, and they'll make it into heaven. But we know the truth of the Bible is that all of sin falls short of the glory of God. That one sin is sufficient to separate us from God. And that we cannot make that one sin up. We cannot pay our way into heaven. Only Jesus could do that by dying on the cross for our sin. 
And when we accept him, that is when we have eternal life. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, not because of works, lest any man should boast. When we stand before God and he asks us, Why should I let you into heaven? Don't say good works, okay? That will not get you into heaven. <laughs> that will not get you into heaven. What you say is, I'm here because you saved me. You and you alone. So it's not faith in the wrong object, not faith in good works, faith in ourselves apart from God. Some people say, I don't need God. I'm a good enough person. I'm not living for Christ now, but I walked down the aisle a long time ago. They're, they're placing their faith and trust on their good performance. It's similar to good works, but the emphasis is on the fact that they don't need God. They'll do it on their own. Number four, faith without repentance is not faith. Faith without repentance is not faith. Mental assent to Christ. There are people who have a mental assent to Christ. They believe in Jesus. They believe he lived. They might even believe he died on the cross. They might even believe he rose from the dead, but they have no sorrow for their sin and they've never had a true change of heart. They've never turned that sin over to Jesus. People like this might say, I believe in Jesus, but I've never been baptized. You, you might say, well, what the, what's that have to do with it? Well, if a person has been a Christian for 10 years and never been baptized, unless they've never been taught that they need to be baptized, they're in disobedience to God. They're not showing true obedience to God. They might say, I believe in Jesus, but I don't need to study the Bible. They might say, I believe in Jesus, but I can't share Christ or my testimony. I believe in Jesus, but I don't need to go to church. All of these are things that are commanded to us for our good. And yet, if we're not doing them, we're in disobedience to God, and it's a sign that we are giving him only partial obedience which everyone knows what partial obedience is, right? No. It's disobedience, right. Essentially, this is saying, I believe in Jesus, but I will not obey him, which means you don't believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You're not surrendered your life to him. Number five, faith that doesn't persevere. Faith that God gives us perseveres to the end. It always perseveres to the end. But faith, in air quotes, can be choked out by the concerns of the world. We see that in the parable of the soil. It says, and as for those who fell among the thorns, they are those who hear, but they go on their way and are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. They're choked out by the concerns of this world and it does not persevere. That is not the faith that comes from Christ. Faith also without deep roots in a rocky soil. Persecution comes and they fall away. This is not faith. This is not someone who's trusted Christ as their savior and then lost their salvation. This is someone who does not have a persevering faith 
and eventually, during a time of testing, they fall away. Those on the rock, when they hear the word, receive it with joy, but they have no root. They believe for a while, and in the time of testing, fall away. Okay, remember when we had faith in our good works was not a true faith? Now we have faith without good works is not a true faith. <laughs> James, what good is it? I want you to see the difference between these. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. And here's how you bring both of those together. Good works do not save us. Only faith saves us, but good works are evidence of true trust and reliance upon Christ. Right? We've talked about that before. A true faith will always result in works. Going back to Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It's a gift of God, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. So yes, we're saved not because of our works, but only because of our faith. But if we're truly saved, then we will be doing good works. Number, number seven, faith without fruit. John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you will, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is much glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Disciples produce disciples. True disciples produce disciples. First Corinthians 15, one through two, going back to persevering. It says, it says, now I remind you brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received in which you stand and by which you are saved if you hold fast to the word I preached to you unless you believed in vain. There is a believing that is in vain. It's the one that does not persevere in the faith. It's, it's the one that when times of trouble come upon that faith fails. It's not a faith from God. Well, thankfully, he gives us a couple examples of faith, and then next week we'll be able to cover a bunch of these. But he gives the example of Abel. Abel offered God by faith. I notice that it says that. He, he offered it by faith a more acceptable sacrifice. He gave the best that he had to the Lord. He gave an animal sacrifice. Cain gave one of the, uh, of the grain, of, of the fruit of the ground, and, and Abel's 
was commended for his sacrifice because it was by faith. Enoch, Enoch was a man of faith and did not see death. During his life, he was commended as having pleased God. So these are the first of two of many of great examples of faith, which we'll talk about more coming up. But as we close today, I always wonder this question, will I be commended for my faith? <laughs> will I be commended for my faith? Will we as a church be commended for our faith? Has anyone today found out, found out that their faith is counterfeit in some way? Folks, I think you know me well enough to know that I don't want anyone leaving here without the knowledge that they are truly saved, that they have the faith that is from God. And so if you feel uncomfortable today, maybe the Holy Spirit's brought something to your attention, let's just have a time of going toward to, to him in prayer, being honest with him about our faith. Maybe some of these have begun to creep into our lives, some of these counterfeit faiths. And we need to just turn that over to God and surrender to him. This would be a perfect time to do that. If you're here today and you've never trusted in, and never trusted in Christ as your own personal savior, you might be asking, well, what exactly do I have to do? Well, first thing you have to hear the message, which I think you have today. The message is very clear that all of us have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. It's caused a separation between us, which nothing we can do will resolve. We can't build a bridge across this chasm. We can't, by our own works, make things balance out. We need someone to help us, and that person was Jesus Christ, our Savior, the Savior we love. And what he did is he went to the cross willingly, died on that cross, suffered the sins of the world, and took that upon himself so that when we believe and trust in him, we can have eternal life. And trust just means that you relinquish all of your attempts to save yourself and cast all of your burdens and sins upon Jesus Christ. And if you go to him and you tell him, I am sorry for my sin, please forgive me, he will do that. So during our time of invitation, let's think that way and make decisions that way. Father, we thank so much for this time that we've had. Thank you for everyone who's listened so attentively. And thank you for the clarity of this that we need to be a people of faith. First of all, you save us with saving faith, but then we grow in our faith as well. And though many of us here have been Christians for a long time, there's still room for us to grow in our faith. Help us not to be a people who give up on becoming more like Jesus Christ. But even when we're older, we're still thinking, how can I be more like Christ? How can I be more kind? How can I be more loving, more forgiving, more generous? 
So reveal that to us today and help us, if we are holding any of that back from you, to surrender that to you today. Because we know that you are sufficient, you are kind, and you will forgive. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you.